0: Is it actually effective to criminalize drug use? What the American public is seeing, and also what policymakers and scientists are really arguing, is that it's not effective.
1: Hello, and welcome to the 538 Politics Podcast. I'm Galen Druck. Should marijuana be legal in the United States? Over the past 20 years, Americans have reversed their views on that question to a degree rarely seen in politics. In 2001, 34% of Americans said yes to that question, according to Gallup. Today, it's 68%. In fact, a breadth of polling suggests a majority of Americans today favor either decriminalizing all drug use or significantly changing the punishment for it. We've seen some bipartisan movement on the issue, yet politicians don't seem to be walking entirely in step with Americans. Yes, last week, House Democrats passed the MORE Act for the second time, which would decriminalize marijuana, but it's not expected to pass in the Senate as it stands. That said, there is a bill that would end discrepancies in sentencing for crack and cocaine that has picked up support from at least 11 Republican senators and looks poised to become law. So today, we're going to talk about drugs, what Americans think we should do about them, and how politicians are responding. And here with me to do that is Lester Black. He's a journalist and 530 contributor who covers the cannabis industry. Welcome to the podcast, Lester.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Galen. So first and foremost, why
1: have Americans reversed their views so dramatically on the issue of marijuana legalization?
0: Yeah, well, The American public has really seen that the war on drugs has failed, and they have a lot of evidence to back that up. And there's really a broad array of reasons to support drug reform, whether or not you're a progressive Democrat who sees the war on drugs as a racist policy failure, or if you're a conservative libertarian who wants the government to not be involved in a lot of your life. There's just a lot of theoretical policy reasons to support this type of drug reform. And that's, that's really why we're seeing uh, people from across the political spectrum come together and say, we should really roll back some of these laws that were passed in the 1980s and 1990s.
1: I don't know if you can trust polling on an issue like this, but according to Gallup, only 11% of Americans actually say that they use marijuana, although 50% say that they've tried it. So one, is this a good or bad use of polling? Should we trust those numbers? Two, is there evidence that use has grown and led to more support of marijuana legalization? Or is this mostly just a kind of abstract policy preference for most people, like not I want weed to be legal so that I can buy it at a dispensary. But, you know, I have X, Y, Z political reasons for wanting it to be legal.
0: Yeah, it is notoriously tricky to trust what people say about their own drug use. So they really want to admit that they're doing these drugs. So I don't think we have a really great measure of how much uh, marijuana is being used in this country uh, across the whole country. But when you look at states that have legalized pot, and we've legalized pot in uh, 18 states, including D.C., uh, since 2012, you do see use increasing. That doesn't necessarily mean that is why people are supporting pot reform. It goes back to there's just a lot of reasons to support legalizing marijuana. The legal movement has been really effective in showing that Cops are not actually able to stop people from using pot, so why are we spending so much money on trying to have them do that? The medical marijuana movement has also been very successful on an emotional level. Who wants to deny medication to cancer patients and epileptic children? That's just not gonna be a very popular policy. And now that we have a decade of states who have been selling openly recreational marijuana, there's now a really big success story. You see tax revenue going up. You don't see societies crumbling. You see an increase in jobs from these legal markets. So when it comes to
1: changing perceptions of drugs and criminal justice, is it fair to bundle marijuana with Changing perceptions about how we should treat other types of drug use, or are those completely different conversations? Because when I do look at the polling, I see that as perceptions regarding marijuana have changed, so have other perceptions about drug use. You know, I mentioned one poll at the top, a Cato Institute poll that found that fifty-five percent of Americans supporting recategorizing drug offenses from felonies to civil offenses, meaning they would be treated like minor traffic violations rather than crimes. Is that conflating two conversations, or are the perceptions related?
0: They are definitely related. It's part of the big conversation of should we criminalize drug use? There's certainly some very unique things about marijuana in America right now. One being that it's a multi-billion dollar industry. There was over $18 billion of legal pot bought and sold last year. So that's going to change things when we look at pot specifically. But this is really all part of this broader conversation of, is it actually effective to criminalize drug use? And what the American public is seeing, and also what policymakers and scientists are really arguing is that it's not effective. And these are also conversations that are talking to each other. So when states like Colorado and Washington legalize pot and they're able to do it in a way that is supporting public health, that's gonna tell people, hey, maybe that idea that we should criminalize cocaine use or criminalize heroin use is also maybe not grounded in evidence.
1: Are there specific things that have changed perceptions about drugs more broadly? I mean, I don't think it's the case that, like, I've looked at polling on morality, right? People don't think that marijuana use is immoral. I think that there's certainly a much more negative view of using other kinds of drugs, like heroin and other opioids or crack or cocaine. So, What is it that's happened over the past couple decades that have changed perceptions of how we should treat drugs, even if people don't think, oh, it's just like pot, it's fine if my cousin or my brother does it in, you know, in his room or whatever?
0: Yeah, I I certainly don't think people see things like injecting heroin as simple as, you know, smoking pot, but they are tied together and they're seeing that locking someone up for injecting heroin is probably not going to help them just as locking someone up for smoking pot is probably not going to help them, uh, even if you have different views on those drugs. So, you know, it's important to remember that the war on drugs was never an evidence-based policy. It was something put together by politicians, in some cases for very clear racially charged reasons. And so we have a policy that wasn't evidence-based. And now we have almost 50 years since the war on drugs was declared by Nixon of evidence showing that this policy is not effective. Uh, I think the opioid epidemic furthered things when we see that uh, people are dying from drugs that are already legal. And now, you know, really over the last decade, we have evidence across many different types of drugs beyond pot of policies actually changing. We have, you know, mandatory minimum sentences being removed in many different states for things like heroin or crack or other drugs.
1: Yeah, I mean, this was kind of the first time I dug into a lot of the polling on how Americans are thinking about drug offenses. But it's somewhere in the range of, you know, 60% or more of Americans who say prisons hold too many drug offenders, drugs should be addressed as a public health issue and not as a criminal justice issue. So I thought that was really striking. But I do want to focus in a little bit more on the specifics of marijuana, and then we can broaden it out to some of the other questions surrounding drugs. So, with this level of support, 68% of Americans saying marijuana should be legal, and other polls it's a little bit less, but generally above 60%. Why hasn't marijuana been legalized today?
0: Things have gotten really complicated because these states have these legal industries. So that's making it so maybe you know there's enough people who want to legalize pot. But how we do it, those specifics are becoming really complicated. On the left, progressives don't wanna just give a simple decriminalization to this industry that's gonna allow these for-profit companies to make even more money. The progressive left wants to uh, legalize marijuana fully. They want to expunge all federal marijuana charges, and they want to set up uh, progressive taxes that go fund progressive ideas.
1: And I should say, the MORE Act specifically sort of does that. So it was sort of striking in Congress that even though there's some bipartisan support, it was largely passed on party lines. And I think a lot of that goes to the point that it included these more progressive
0: priorities. Yeah, the MORE Act is the progressive way to legalize marijuana federally. But on the the right, the conservatives who do support legalizing pot aren't necessarily on board for having progressive taxes go fund restorative justice. They want much more narrow legalization. So we have things like the Safe Banking Act, which really just allows companies to do business with the legal weed industry without having any problems. That's become really a pariah on the left. Uh, In the Senate, it's not moving. Cory Booker is clearly saying, I don't want this to move because we we have one opportunity to legalize pot and why would we do it in a way that just gives a bunch of money to companies that are making money off it so on the the right they want to do those more narrow initiatives although we do see that broadening because there was a bill introduced in the house last year by four republicans that would legalize marijuana fully that would set a federal tax up It was a lower federal tax than the Moore Act, and it didn't include explicitly that that tax revenue goes to social justice programs. But you're seeing that there is support on the right. But how these two ideas come together is is really slowing things down, especially because we have a president who clearly uh, has not made this a priority on any level. The Biden administration does not see this as something that they want to tackle in the era of COVID and and the war in Ukraine. It's just not something they're going to work on. So there's no president that's trying to bring these two sides together.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is worth saying that when you look at the polling, drug use doesn't come close to ranking near the top of voters' priorities. It's things like the cost of living, the economy, healthcare, COVID, immigration, and things like that. I think the most recent poll I saw was 30% of Americans said it was something that Congress and the president should focus on. And also, as you mentioned, Biden himself has said that he doesn't support legalization. He supports decriminalization. You know, I think that it is tempting to say, what does it really matter what happens on the federal level since at this point, you know, more than a third of Americans live in a state where pot is legal recreationally and the majority of Americans live in states where it's legal medicinally. But what would the implications be of a federal change?
0: Yeah, it would have really significant changes. On one level, people are still getting arrested for marijuana in states where it's not legal. So for those people who are facing criminal charges or in jail because they have used or sold marijuana... It's a really big policy change if the federal government were to legalize. Uh, It's also going to be a big change for research. Right now, scientists still have to follow those very old federal laws that say pot is a very dangerous drug. So we can't research pot effectively in this country with uh, federal prohibition. And there's also really big problems for the legal industry that are making the industry much more difficult for people without a lot of money to get involved, for non-white people to get involved. Right now, if you have a legal pot business, you can't take a single federal deduction, which for anyone who's uh, looked at running a small business makes it crazy expensive. That makes it much easier for people with a lot of money to get into this industry and people without a lot of money can't. People can't really get bank loans for their businesses. They can't really get checking accounts for their businesses. Uh, so there's. it seems like even though you know, if you can go to 18 states and buy pot tomorrow, why do we need this? Well, even in those states where you can buy pot, people are saying we really need to change this federal law. In most of those states, the majority of them, it's been legalized
1: through ballot initiatives, not lawmakers actually making changes to state law themselves. Is this an issue that politicians are just hesitant to take votes on? You know, despite public opinion changes, is this a sort of sensitive taboo
0: topic still? That's a great point, because it actually really isn't anymore. It was the state voters who were the first to go out on a limb and do this, to legalize pot in Colorado and Washington and then in Oregon, Alaska and California. Those are all state voters going through the initiative process. But it's become something that now is really at home in the legislatures, even in the state of Virginia, you know, a state in the south. The legislature passed pot legalization. So we see that there's just so many arguments for doing this that now it's no longer taboo for politicians to do it. They actually wanna do it. They see this tax revenue especially coming from their neighbors and they're saying, why haven't we already done this? Why don't we have these jobs in our state? Why are our residents going to other states and giving tax revenue? So it's really broken through that ceiling and it's now in the realm of legislators. So the Moore Act
1: passed the House, it now goes to the Senate. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said that he is speaking with Senate Republicans about what they might be able to support in terms of marijuana legalization or decriminalization. The Senate hopes to put out legislation later this month, You know, perhaps in conjunction with April 20th. We will see. Do you have any sense of what some kind of bipartisan bill on this would look like?
0: It's hard to say right now and this is certainly a strange time in you know all sorts of political arenas in this country and really the world so what happens next is is hard to predict but there does seem to be a logjam here where There's not going to be enough Republicans uh, in the Senate who are going to support a progressive bill like the Moore Act. And then there's enough Democrats in the Senate who only want a progressive bill. Senator Cory Booker has been very clear about him wanting only a progressive legalization bill, that there just isn't enough votes. That could change really quickly. You know, this is an issue that is so popular with the American public. And there's all these other issues that are really dragging support for politicians down, like inflation, uh, like COVID. So maybe there's a compromise here and the politicians come together to broker a big win, maybe. But it also seems like there's still a real divide between these two sides. And without a president who wants to get in there and really force the question to find a compromise, it's in some ways hard to see it happening this year. Today's podcast is brought to you by Shopify.
1: Ready to make the smartest choice for your business? Say hello to Shopify, the global commerce platform that makes selling a breeze. Whether you're starting your online shop, opening your first physical store, or hitting a million orders, Shopify is your growth partner. Sell everywhere with Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. Turn browsers into buyers with Shopify's best converting checkout, 36% better than other platforms. Effortlessly sell more with Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Did you know Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and supports global brands like Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen. So that's where things stand when it comes to marijuana decriminalization or legalization. What kinds of changes have states or the federal government made in terms of how they treat drug
0: offenses more broadly? The war on drugs is still alive. People are still getting arrested every single day for drug use. But we do see signs across the country that this war on drugs is really starting to end. Uh, States have really taken the lead with removing mandatory minimum sentences for drug crimes. Those are those sentencing guidelines that force judges to give people really long terms, even if the judge doesn't think they're warranted. So those are starting to fade on the state level. There is movement to do that federally. The federal government is increasing spending on drug treatment programs, where historically a lot of that money would have just gone to law enforcement to try and take care of these crimes. Now, you know, the the federal government is spending a lot more money on actual treatment. You saw that with Obama spending over a billion dollars on opioid treatment programs. The federal government already reduced the crack cocaine sentencing disparity in 2010 to make it not quite as big of a difference. And we're likely to see that disparity come down to actually being equal pretty soon. And then in states like uh, the state of Oregon is actually taking it quite a bit further by decriminalizing all drug use. And is that a done deal? Is Oregon going to do that? They already did it. The The voters did it in 2020, just like in early marijuana reform, when we saw voters go out on a limb and say, we want to legalize medical marijuana, or in 2012, we want to legalize recreational marijuana. Now voters in one state, in Oregon, have said, we want to decriminalize all drug use. And so that's a really big experiment. We'll see how that plays out. They passed it in 2020, so it's still early, but that's something that maybe we could see other states following the lead, just like we saw happen with marijuana reform.
1: Or potentially another example of where states start to diverge if drugs become decriminalized in some blue states and not in red states. You know, obviously, Obama initiated this federal policy that basically says, if you're going to legalize marijuana, we are not going to get in your way states, as far as the federal government is concerned. How is the federal government treating organ's decriminalization of all drugs?
0: Well, it's a little bit different than the, the recreational legalization, because in 2012, you had states setting up ways for companies to sell a drug that was clearly federally illegal. That's that's a strange situation to have. But in the decriminalization initiative in Oregon, there's no industry being set up. They're just saying our police officers, our state police officers, our local police officers are not gonna arrest you if we find you smoking crack or injecting heroin. We're gonna direct you to treatment centers. And so the federal government has less of a problem with that because it's really more of a passive change than an active change of saying, we're gonna allow you mm. to sell this clearly federally illegal thing. And to your point of, is this a, another area where we diverge? I think that's of course likely in our country where we have these big partisan divides, but it also could be a thing like with pot reform where Republicans get on board because they see the success signs being so clearly. If Oregon's able to do this successfully, and that's a big if, but if they're able to reduce the amount of money they're spending on the police with these drugs, if they're able to see fewer people dying from overdoses and fewer people living in a cycle of uh, drug abuse, That's something that could really clearly appeal to really the whole country. So I think there's a possibility that this could spread to other red states. You know, I think we have, in fact, already
1: seen bipartisan support for criminal justice reform when it comes to drugs. Of course, in 2018, former President Trump signed the First Step Act, which got a lot of bipartisan support in Congress. So we have another example currently of bipartisan support for criminal justice reform on drugs. This week, the Congressional Black Caucus wrote a letter to Schumer urging him to bring the Equal Act to the floor of the Senate for a vote. And that bill would end sentencing disparities for crack and cocaine, which, as you mentioned, it used to be 100 to 1. Now it's 18 to 1. And this would bring it down to 1 to 1. There are at least 11 Republicans who support it. So it does actually look like when it comes to the floor, it will pass. Both on the First Step Act And the Equal Act. Why are we seeing this
0: bipartisan support? It just goes back to there's a lot of different reasons to support drug reform. And there's not many reasons that you would want to support these types of laws that say something like, you know, with the crack cocaine sentencing disparity, it's hard to argue why someone should go to jail for a much longer time if they get caught with crack than if they get caught with cocaine when you realize. They are the same drug. So this appearance of unfairness, specifically to this crack cocaine disparity, is really appealing whether or not you're a progressive who sees that this has a a racist effect. Or if you're a libertarian and you see that, you know, why why is the government deciding this? Like, why this isn't based on evidence? Uh, This has, you know, a very big impact on someone's life. Why, for the libertarian, think, like, why should this be happening? So drug reform is, by and large, evidence-based. It's by and large appealing to a lot of different political orientations. And so that's why we're seeing big movement. And to your point, Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky is one of the 11
1: Republicans supporting the bill. I don't know if he still identifies as a sort of pure libertarian, but of course it runs in his family. When looking at the consensus that emerged around the First Step Act and some of the consensus around marijuana and the Equal Act. I wonder if the COVID era has changed the trajectory at all. And I'm thinking in the past couple of years, drug overdose deaths have hit record highs, largely due to opioid use. Mayors of blue cities are cracking down on homelessness and public drug use. Violent crime is up. And I'm curious if maybe there was a sort of consensus emerging in 2018 that former President Trump was on board with, Jared Kushner was, you know, an advocate for, is everything that's happened during the past two years in these big blue cities and with deaths caused by drug use,
0: is it going to change the trajectory of that consensus? So, what's happening in these, by and large, blue cities is really difficult to see. It's really, frankly, horrific. You know, I live in San Francisco and you can see open drug use every single day in this city. Uh, and the amount of people who are dying from tainted drug supply from the black market is really difficult. And so, you see mayors like San Francisco Mayor London Breed declaring a state of emergency last year and really warning in very public speeches that uh, they're gonna get tough on public drug users. And it sounds like, is that is this, you know, the war on drugs coming back? And it, while it might rhetorically, and I think that's politicians responding to some really difficult situations, In actual policy level, we still see this unwinding of the war on drugs. The main thing that Mayor London Breed set up was a navigation center in one of the most hardest hit neighborhoods. And that navigation center is giving people access to treatment. It's giving people showers and food and hopefully access to housing. And it's not locking people up. There's been very few arrests, if any, of public drug users. And even at that navigation center, there's been documentation that people are able to use drugs on city property as long as they're trying to get help. So I think the rhetoric is changing in the face of of a really ugly, sad situation, but the policy isn't actually changing back to this war on drugs mentality.
1: And I guess that goes back to what you said several times on this podcast is that there is a relatively broad consensus across the political spectrum that a lot of what the war on drugs entailed didn't actually work, perhaps evidenced most viscerally by the fact that drug overdose deaths just hit their highest point in American history this past year. And so if if the goal is to get people to not do drugs, especially in a dangerous way, that's not where we are as a country. You talked a little bit about the war on drugs not being an evidence-based approach to begin with. What are some of the reasons it's failed? And what does the effort to end dangerous drug use look like going forward?
0: The war on drugs, the idea that a cop was going to stop someone from hurting themselves with drugs was never put forward by scientists or doctors. In fact, at every stage of the escalation of war on drugs, there were doctors and scientists saying, don't do this. When Clinton, you know, made the crack cocaine disparity so high, there was, you know, the Congressional Research Office saying, don't do this. This doesn't make any sense. If you talk to people who work in drug treatment, who study drug treatment, They say that uplifting people's lives in ways like giving them housing, giving them more access to opportunity, that's gonna help them. Giving them ample opportunities to have drug treatment, which in this country today and and for many years has been very difficult for people to get drug treatment. Right now, if you are addicted to drugs, There isn't someone just waiting to go take you into a place where you can get a therapist and get access to things that are going to help you. In some places, especially rural America, there is no one there for you. There is no one there for you if you want to say, I am having trouble with opioids. I need to have an off-ramp. It's not there. And clearly, uh, giving that person a police officer who's going to arrest them didn't work. So right now you see there's just a big consensus publicly, of course, in public opinion, but also amongst policy experts that we need to do different things. One of the clearest signs of this is the National Institute on Drug Abuse, which was created during the Nixon era and has really spent literally billions of dollars on the war on drugs is now fully clearly saying that criminalization of drugs does not work. They're saying we have plenty of evidence that show that we can't do this. And so when you have an agency that's huge in that level at the federal government saying this doesn't work anymore, that's powerful. And they're working on trying to study what we can actually do for people who are, are dealing with drug abuse.
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that there has been a backlash to the message from the left about defunding the police. Does it seem to you at all like that has affected views of the criminalization of drugs at all? Or people are still able to hold those two things as separate, you know, supporting police and pursuing violent crime and so on, but still believing that criminal punishment for drug use doesn't work?
0: There's still a lot of people in this country who do want to criminally charge people for using drugs. That's still there, that hasn't changed. What's changed is now there's a real majority of people that say that doesn't work, but there's still that minority who are very vocal, especially in cities like San Francisco or Seattle, where there's a lot of public drug use, you see some very vocal people saying, why aren't we arresting these people for breaking the law on the street? those people are probably not gonna go away. But when it comes to actually passing laws and making policy, I'm not seeing a really big shift because really policymakers, politicians, wanna solve the problem. And so if we actually wanna move forward, we're gonna need to look to other things. So while the rhetoric is certainly heated, and like you said, the defund the police movement uh, kind of played into some of those heated rhetoric battles, uh, and certainly that's being conflated by some people with uh, drug reform generally, I don't see the policy really shifting rapidly at least on a broad scale back towards the war on drugs all right well let's leave things there thank you so much for
1: joining me today Lester. thanks galen my name is galen droop tony chow is in the virtual control room claire bidegary curtis is on audio editing chadwick matlin is our editorial director and emily Vanesky is our intern you can get in touch by emailing us at podcasts at 538.com you can also of course tweet at us with any questions or comments if you're a fan of the show leave us a rating or review in the apple podcast store or tell someone about us Thanks for listening and we'll see you soon.